Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I'm also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for another Amazonian edition of Bad Elves, Seconds of Spatial News. We Bad Elves live our lives one spatial second at a time, and we know you do too. For this week's spatially related news, we're going to be discussing Amazon Location Services. No, 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 not Amazonians, like from the famous comic book Wonder Woman, maybe the Blizzard video game Diablo 2, or even from a humanities historical perspective of ancient Greek myth. What I'm talking about is Bezos' company Amazon and its new location-based service, or LBS. As reported by GeoConnection and other news outlets, Amazon has recently entered the LBS market. Amazon's new service will create an easy and cost-effective way for consumers to add location functionality to their custom apps without conceding privacy, uh, without security issues, or degradation of accuracy. Amazon Location Services will permit customers to embed location data from two heavy hitters, Esri, ESRI, and Here Technologies. These data will provide services such as POIs, geocoding, route planning, geofencing, asset tracking, just to name a few. What's really interesting is Amazon claims it will be one-tenth the cost of traditional LBS providers. In typical Amazon fashion, they are planning to leverage low prices and mass marketing to promote their product to the world. Eliminating the complexity of adding these services while being extremely affordable might be a great option for your organization. I can only imagine that with Esri and Here Technologies backing these location services, that it's going to be a great service. All right, so that does it for this week's Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed this week's selected news. If you have any questions about this story or about Bad Elf GNSS products, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or other social media outlets. Hasta la vista, Geoholics. We'll be back. Fortunes of heaven, diamonds and gold. I got all the bonds, baby, that the bank could hold. Well, I got houses across the country, honey, end to end. And everybody but wants to be my friend. Well, I got all the riches, baby, and man ever knew. But the only thing I ain't got, honey, I ain't got you. Hello, Geoholics. I feel like you were singing that to me. I, feel, <laughs> I, I feel was. I was looking in your eyes. Could I you tell? know. I felt it. <laughs> it, was, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> Welcome back, and thanks for joining us for this latest episode of The Geoholics, being episode 85. Shoots, I think I know what you got for this one, but let her rip. Chad Ocho Cinco. Yep. The guy the literally changed his name to be... Eight five, so therefore he he earned it. Uh, six time Pro Bowler, two time first team All Pro, NFL receiving yards leader in two thousand six. He was in the final four of Dancing with the Stars, and hmm. he was the one hundredth contestant eliminated. And wow. then he just got his ass kicked by Brian Maxwell the other night. Did he lose that fight <laughs> badly? <laughs> oh, he did. Yeah. He got, wow, he got beat up. It's a nice word to say after, though, well, about course. like motivational, like, hey, at least I tried. Yeah. Type of thing. But you know what? There's not too many numbers that sound that good. Like, Ocho Cinco, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Like, 12 is my favorite number. You know, Uno Dos. Uno Dos. <laughs> it's not nearly as good, you know? So he uh, he pulled it off pretty well. Well, isn't it technically like Ochenta Cinco? Yeah. Oh, now you're getting deep. I don't yeah, know. I guess oh, his uh, name dr- 
directly translates to eight five. Yeah, eight yeah. five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it works. Yep. Yep. For sure. All right. So I got to tell you, you know, it's great to be back in the Diamondback Land Survey Studio, and I'm excited about our guests. This evening, um, so I'm going to kind of keep this short and sweet, but get this, we just surpassed 42,000 downloads, if you can freaking believe that. We were just talking a little bit before the show about this. Did you guys ever think in a million years that one, we would have a studio that we could call our own, and two, that we would have created a podcast that amassed over 40,000 downloads from all over the world? No and no. No and no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So I guess I also, while I'm at it, I should mention that we just eclipsed a thousand followers on both our Facebook and LinkedIn groups, and uh, uh, it's just super humbling. You know, thanks to everybody that's made this happen. And uh, we promise to, you know, continue to bring you value adding shows for as long as we possibly Absolutely. can. Just like this one. I'm really, really excited. Uh, PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right. That was Bruce Springsteen and Ain't Got You. So the boss, as he's best known, is an American singer, songwriter, and musician. He has released 20 studio albums, many of which feature his backing band, the E Street Band. Originally from the Jersey Shore, he is one of the originators of the Heartland Rock style of music, combining mainstream rock music sti musical style with narrative songs about working-class American life. During a career that has spanned five decades, Springsteen has sold more than 150 million records worldwide and more than 64 million albums in the United States, making him one of the world's best-selling music artists. Springsteen was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame in 1999. Can you name one other Springsteen song? No. <laughs> Awkward silence. Yeah. Awkward silence. I, ra I racked my brain for about half a second. I was going to say, uh, not even here like, we go. Not How about Tougher Than games? the Rest, All the Heaven Will yeah, Follow, yeah, Spare yeah, Parts. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> normally, I interject with like uh, a story about the artist because I guess I've been fortunate to see a lot of shows. Bruce, or the boss, however you want to refer to him, I've never seen one of his shows. And the reason is, I hear they're like three and a half hours long. Oh, yeah. And he, I'm like, my ADD would get the best of me. I don't know if I could sit in a concert for three and a half hours <laughs> with with one person, you know. But I, uh, I, I, love, I love his music. Now I just feel bad. I put Jake on the spot. Well, I made it. I just named like five of them. What are you talking yeah. about? Once you looked at iTunes, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, I got this. He but. pulled it off. Jake's quick on his feet for sure. All right, let's give a shout out to this week's featured friend of the program. Just so happens to be Get Kids Into Survey. Shoots, tell us about Get Kids Into Survey. All right, Get Kids Into Survey. In case you didn't know, there is a global skills shortage in surveying. Mm. Well aware. So, in November 2017, Elaine and Ellie Ball, great people, created Get Kids Into Survey. What started as a fun side campaign has now developed into a permanent initiative with a mission to educate and excite the next generation of surveyors. As the Get Kids Into Survey community continues to expand globally through its network of sponsors and brand ambassadors, the project has grown to include full programs for educators scholarships and a ton of resources that will inspire the next generation of surveyors to show your support with them of this awesome movement. Please consider becoming a brand ambassador to help spread the word and bring the geospatial industry together. Check out getkidsintosurvey.com where you can personally inspire future geospatial experts. Love the balls. <laughs> they do the, so the, much for good, the uh glad to hear they're good people for though. the geomatics community yeah yeah they're awesome, awesome and they're always exciting and yeah high energy folks high energy love it love their energy all right let's catch up the boys just a little bit pj what do you got for us so a little late to report this but i have to just because it's, it's big news but jeff bezos and his brother making the trip up 62 miles um for just three minutes they'll be in space uh on their new blue origins i think it's called like the new hampshire or something mm. 
but direct rival to to uh, Elon, except these guys want to put, it's more of like a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty interesting. I mean, such a like a important figure, it's expensive to, to be the first people to jump on it. He's um, got to be the richest guy that's ever gone into space, right? Who's richer? I think who's so. richer, Elon or uh, Bezos? They go back and forth. Yeah, Do they really. But they're yeah. I think just right now, it they're all depends close. on well, what what Bezos. Tesla stock and what Amazon stocks on. Mm. Bezos got split up with his wife. Yeah, so. but I think even past that, Amazon just goes up so fast that yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be pretty crazy. It's cool. uh, I, I mean, if you he's he so he picked his brother. So I'm gonna ask you guys if you were doing this for the first time, who are you picking? You, you and one other person. Does it have to be uh, live, or does the person have to be alive? No, let's say no. It can be anybody. And you can't say Abraham Lincoln. Damn it! <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Got me. Oh, I would take Hudson in a heartbeat. Take Hudson. Yeah, huh? I'd have to go with my dad. That'd be so sweet. That would be crazy. I'd probably take Emmett. Emmett? Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. Take a dog? Yes. Over the lovely Megan? I'd take my dog, yeah. <laughs> that'd be sweet. The sheriff. <laughs> the sheriff. But yeah, yeah. I, I had to, to, to uh, awesome. report that real quick. It's going to be cool. I'm excited to see how that goes. Speaking of uh, Elon, uh, did I tell you this? I don't know if I told you this or not. When we were up at Pine a couple weeks ago. Um, he was there? No. The he Pinewood was, no, Tavern? No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe. I have met some pretty interesting people He bought there. it while he was there. Yeah. No, I saw like the Starlink, sat, like the stream of Starlink satellites oh, wow. going. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, I mean, it lasted for like five minutes. I thought it was crazy. Yeah, I, it was I saw, really, really cool. Northern Arizona is part of like the, one of some of yeah. the f- what, first places to get coverage. So mm-hmm. you should mm. get it up there. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We got yeah. shoots. Uh, I got to bring it down. No, oh, come on. I got to do go. it. I got to do on. it. Does this I have anything to do with you sleeping in the studio today? No, yeah. <laughs> not at all. I got to give a shout out to Uncle John. He passed away. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I man. will uh, unfortunately be missing one of the episodes to go back east, and I just got to give him a shout out. Yeah. Other than that. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Sorry yeah. to hear that. No, yep. it's, all, it's all good. Yep. It's, Rip Uncle so. John. Uncle John Glad to hear he's a good guy It's funny to hear you say that I say it all the time But to hear somebody else say it It sounds funny What about you? Uh, I'm going to try to bring it back up Okay After that uh, Let's talk about those sons Let's do that I knew it was It's so crazy Since the last time we recorded a show Which has been like two weeks I've been to I guess three sons games You know I'm very fortunate to have gotten the opportunity To go to these games And every one of them has been an absolute blast But and I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I'm getting to be a Suns fan, obviously. It Call the bandwagon guy. I don't really care. It helps when they kick ass, though. It does. It does. But you know what even helps? What makes me like him even more is their coach, mm-hmm. that Monty Williams. Yeah, right? Right. Who got snubbed out of guy. Coach of the Year. We yes, have to say that. Tom but he's got, Thibodeau, like, every on. time you hear him talk about motivating his players and stuff like that, he came up with this quote that I heard. I heard a while ago, actually, but it just came back to, to light here recently. And he's like... Anything worth achieving is on the other side of hard. Mm. Think about that. Yep. Think about that. You know, I'm just like, that is freaking genius. And it is so true. Anything worth really striving for and getting and, and, and achieving and accomplishing, it's not going to be easy. Let's no. face it. Anything worth like, you know, something like that, yeah. it's not going to be easy. It's on the other side of hard. So I absolutely love that quote. We so might need to uh, send that's him an solid. email, see if we get on the podcast. Maybe we will. He's a little preoccupied right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give it, give it a will. month or two. But it is pretty exciting. I mean, they're a great team. They're, uh, I think they're peaking at the right time. Yep. Uh, yes. Great. Uh, just a fun team. They have all the right people in the right positions. Just fun. good chemistry. Chris fun. Paul coming back and being healthy again. Amazing. And, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It's just, it's really exciting. So I'm happy for uh, for Phoenix. For it's sure. only and been Arizona. 11 years. Yep. All right. Let's move on here. Safety apparel, safety share, and other things to worry about. What'd you come up with, Shoots? I got sports safety tips for kids. I like that. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. So uh, prepare kids for the demands of playing a sport. Easy enough. Warm up and stretch before games and practices. 
biggest one, remember to hydrate, especially out here in the desert. All uh, the time, yeah. Wear appropriate sports gear. Don't take chances with the brain. Know the signs and symptoms of concussions. Make rest a priority. And this one's for all of us. Mm. Be a prepared coach and supportive parent. Really good. How did? What are the signs of? Uh, con- have you ever been concussed? No. Ever? No. Never. <laughs> Never. No. This guy is very cautious. <laughs> That's a healthy brain in there. <laughs> oh, it's so. How about funny. you? Uh, How many concussions you got? A few. Three, four. Really, a few? Yeah, I've had a few for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I got in that one car accident. Oh, it was yeah, really that's bad. Good, I mean, yeah. that was a concussion. Um, one time, as a little kid, I'll never forget this. We were like in this buddy of mine's basement, and. <laughs> We're such idiots. We put water on the concrete floor. It's like a smooth concrete floor. And then we put dish soap on the water. So it is like (laughs) ice, right? So we would like run and we slide on this like patch of water and soap. And I remember this one time I fell back and hit my head so freaking hard. Mm. It explains everything. (laughs) Do you throw up? Huh? Do you throw up? I did throw up as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's yep. like that's like and a telltale like, sign that you got like a terrible concussion. Yeah, I was like ten years old, but I'll yeah. never forget it. I, I still think about that to this day. So, my other th- safety share thing: don't put water on smooth concrete and add dish soap to. Yeah, luckily Recipe there aren't a whole lot of there aren't a whole lot of basements here in Arizona. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> but it's like the same principle of like a slip and slide thing. You know? Yeah, but it was just like homemade and it was stupid. But uh, anyways, let's get on with this, man. I'm you know I'm, I'm thinking about like, we sound exceptionally good tonight. The audio just sounds good. What's going on, Jake? What'd I don't you know. Do? Maybe with the lights off. I don't know. Did you do an upgrade? It's a little more romantic in here tonight. It is. Maybe I it's like the light. It. I like it. All right. So our guest tonight is Ted Knack. So a little bit about Ted. Ted was born in Philly and raised in South Jersey across the bridge, he said. He uh, earned a Bachelor of Science and a Master of Science in Electrical Engineering from Brown University, Go Bears. Uh, Master of Science Mechanical Engineering from Drexel University, Go Dragons. Did you know that? No. Oh, no, that's I had Drexel Brown. Dragons. I like that. Uh-huh. And attended the German Language School in Mannheim, Germany. Got our, we got a smarty pants on, on our hands say, tonight. Yeah. It makes me feel lazy. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the German language school has a mascot. We'll have to ask him when we get him on here. But uh, Ted is also the founder and El Presidente, let's say, of TopoDot. In a nutshell, he says that he works with a very talented team to help develop and execute the strategic, technical, and business development of the product and organization. That's a mouthful right there. <laughs> Welcome to the Geoholics, Ted. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But before we go any further, I'm really intrigued about your education. Obviously, a very well-educated individual. The fact that you attended both Brown and Drexel, two universities that have literally been around for, what, 200, maybe 100 uh, years, respectfully. Well, so well, tell me one Brown. thing. Let me yeah, I, let me get I'm, to this real quick. I can't imagine what it was like to be on those campuses and walk those halls. What is that experience like? Jeez. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Your story, we did actually put water and soap on this tile floor and we slide down <laughs> without the help of clothes. So actually it kind of like that was in the fraternity days at Brown. Yes. So, you know, so as so I do so I so I understand that you don't do that. I, I didn't get a concussion, although I had a big cut on my butt. <laughs> anyway, so that aside. Um, so, okay, that wasn't very historical from Brown University. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I tell you what, I wasn't, um, I, I was a middle-class 
kid from you know Jersey, and and really I played soccer. So uh, oh, Brown wow. was third in the country. Nice. I didn't really understand the historical significance. So it's 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 Ivy. It's been around since you know the seven. I don't know whatever sixteen hundred, yeah. seventeen hundred something. Um, and um, I just wanted to play soccer. So uh, you know I kind of looked it up, and it was they were supposedly a good school in engineering, and and then and the, and the coach recruited me. Said, okay, I'll get you in if you come up here and uh so that's that's how i got to brown so you know it's 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 uh and then i uh engineering degree um like that uh it was i came out with electrical engineering and um i started working with satellites actually so you guys were talking about satellites so i did mm. satellite launches wow. uh, i was a control systems analyst for general electric space systems lockheed now um, did that for like 10 years. Uh, I wasn't much of a big company guy. Didn't, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I had it even when I was young, I pissed people off. So it was just, you know, I was good in engineering, but I just was, you know, anyway, I just didn't see myself being there till I was 50, 60, whatever. Um, and then so that, so I went there when I went to, so was it when I, but I was at, uh, when I was at general electric, I, I, uh, went to school at night at Drexel. So that's how I got my second master's. Oh, and, gotcha. You know, I just didn't, I wasn't married, didn't have anything to do in the evening. So I went and, and learned a few more things. So, uh, but actually it's been really good in, in the, it's actually good in a geospatial sense. So my education kind of prepared me for what we're doing now. And that was, that's really what's been interesting. Um, Very cool. Talk about your connection with uh, Dr. Regal. Yeah. So, so what I did, I always wanted to have a, my own company really. It was just kind of a, a thing. So when I came, I moved down to Florida, fell in love with a girl, my wife, and, you know, moved down to Florida, just left General Electric, got out and got with a small company. And I learned about, um, and they're in this small company called Schwartz Electro-Optics, where they were just starting with lasers. I mean, all this scanning you see now, it was ugly 30 years ago, 25 years ago. It was, uh, you just boxes that you point them at a wall, tell you how far away it was. That's how far the technology was coming. That was a big deal. And if you could be accurate to a half inch, it was amazing. So, um, so basically I learned about that. I could see the market. We were starting to sell them in industrial applications. And then they uh, asked me to translate the um, brochure from German, which I speak. So, so I said, okay. And then it was Dr. Regal. And then his, his stuff was nicer than the stuff we were making. So I read somewhere, I said, if you want to have your own business, you got to have customers. So I said, well, if I, ask this guy and rep his stuff and sell his stuff here in North America, um, I'll have customers. So I'll have this business. So I said, okay. So I basically, I called him every, well, I didn't call, I started faxing. It was before internet. So I faxed once a week. This was in nineties. And I faxed like once a week for six months. till he got tired of getting my faxes. So he just said, well, come over and we'll talk. <laughs> and um, I went over and, I had a contract, like 10 pages of like a silliness, whatever I found somewhere. And um, I just, um, he said, okay, I'll give you North America. And wow. he, he nice. signed it. And he, when I could speak German, it really helped. It broke the ice sure. with us, you know, and yeah. that was good. Um, but, you know, he kind of saw, I mean, you know, he, he saw my commitment. You know, I, I, I flew over to Austria. I drove three hours for, you know, from wherever I was landed Frankfurt, I drove three or four hours or whatever to Vienna. And then I met him the next day. So, so that's how 
I got started with Dr. Regal and, and we started Regal USA in 93. So. That's pretty amazing because like you got in with like the one of the fathers of mm-hmm. scanning, you know? Yeah, it, it's amazing. Looking back now, it seemed like a brilliant move. Gosh, yeah. it was stupid then. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it was just me in an office. He didn't give me any money. He just said, here, you can have North America. And I just thought, well, how hard could selling stuff be? I mean, you know, people just, you have stuff, they come and buy it, right? Well, it didn't work out that way. So first year sales were $5,000. Oh, wow. My wife was not happy supporting the family with a little kid. Yeah. My son here, who works at, at Topodot now. But, oh, nice. um, but, uh, he, uh, but that's how we started. It was the first year. And so I had really double-digit growth for a long time. Because when you start at 5,000, it's pretty easy um, to do that. Um, it's like Jake's raises. Yeah. yeah. All percentage-based. Exactly. Yeah, he gets a double-digit raise. It's all percentage-based. Yeah, yeah, 200% growth. How'd you do it? It's like went from five to 15,000, you know, the next year. But anyway, but I started selling more and more. And I said, okay. So I prom- kept promising my wife this is going to work. And uh, five or six years, I got to be – I made what I – I made it, you know – Income wise, I made what I made at General Electric. So that was big and I had a few people working for me and, and that was good. And then I don't know, I think so really that's how it got started. And again, Dr. Regal was the father of the he's the father of the LIDAR in, in a lot of ways. You know, really, really yeah. interesting and amazing guy. But the bottom line is when I met him, there was 20 guys in a little little school that house they rented. Oh wow. Did not look like the father of anything, you know, and he Crazy. was 40 some. So, you know, so not, you know, it's one of these things, none of, you know, it's, it's look retrospect. It looks like a brilliant move. <laughs> then, it, yeah. you know, it was um, just, just, we just did it, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's how we got there. I worked So for we com- grew it together. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I worked for a company, gosh, in the early 2000s that had one of these, I don't know how, one of the, I don't know if it was an original scanner or Regal scanner, but this thing is a, this thing weighed 80 pounds. It was huge. <laughs> and like to get it up on a tripod and all that stuff, it was. Uh, it was probably a Cyrex. It, it might have LA. been actually, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's exactly what it was. Big box, and it was, came, it was a yeah. huge that's box. The first ones. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was crazy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they're still very popular today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't like even you guys. We uh, we used to have a Regal lidar scanner on the, pl- uh, the on the plane, on the plane, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, still a very oh, yeah. well, well switched Regal. over to Teledyne. So, <laughs> <laughs> but well, the interesting thing is, so so Regal. Uh, so I mean, just just putting up the speed when I left when i left and started topodot and spun off i mean regal was we were 13 million in sales and 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 in usa yeah. regal was you know 60 percent higher than that wow. and then um and he had 150 people working for him and, and i had 12 and then i you know and uh so yeah it was it was it was it was uh, it, it grew and and um it, it was amazing you know the first the first scanners were tough we did crazy mm. things with them um, really hard. It was a really hard business, to be honest, mm. especially in those days. So if you know the 80 pound scanner, yep. try and make a living with it. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, our regals were smaller, but they were 42. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. So you mentioned Topodot a couple of times. That's kind of your baby. So I, would, I mm. want to give you plenty of opportunity to talk about that. And I was on your mm. website and, you know, I'm a big quote guy and uh, I saw a couple of quotes on your website. One of them was, you know, if you can't describe what you are doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. And that was by W. Edwards Deming, the father of quality movement. Yes. So how does that tie into uh, to Topodot? Well, that's, a, that's an excellent question. So, so let's go back. Um, I, 
so when, so so from my background, and one of the one of the one of the things about my background that fit in with the geospatial, because I'm not a BS geospatial guy, I didn't never studied it or anything, but I did satellite control systems, so I basically did orbit simulations. Mm. So basically, so when when I started early with Regal, there was just taking boxes and pointing them at something, saying how far away it is. But you want to see if um, industrial processes, if things are full, if a tank is full, you know. So there wasn't much survey in that, but as, it, as everything evolved, and once they got to scanning and they started looking at, you know, basically, uh, I, when this is started getting into the survey world is when they had scanners. And, um, and so Regal started making these scanners. And then I understood, I, I could do coordinate systems, you know, I did orbit simulations. So coordinate systems and, 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 and projections and all that. In one sense or another, I did them. I, I, I did that for 10 years and then I was kind of trained in that. And, um, that was my, my technical background. Um, so, so how did Topodoc come around? Well, we basically, um, we were selling scanners and we were, find, we were looking for third-party software to do something with the data because you're getting all these points. And back in even the Cyrex days, people would say, okay, here's a point cloud. And people would look at it and see the potential. Mm. And they would say, well, I can do this. I see everything. But every then you tried to get something out of it that some that some downstream process could use, yep. and that, that looked like it came from a survey, and it was death. It was terrible. It yep. just died. So we were selling scanners, and we just had pissed off customers. I mean, they were just upset, and it wasn't really with us because our scanners did everything they said they would, but they couldn't make money with them. And I started, and I didn't understand in the beginning, and we were still Regal USA, and you know, I was, I was, I was working with them, and I was like, okay. So we, I hired a bunch of interns, and I told my partner in the U.S. and the guy who worked Jim Ran Renz, he's still big at Regal mm. USA now, but um, he, uh, I said, Jim, okay, here's what we're gonna do, we're just gonna start doing these projects. I got to figure out what's going on. What I, I don't understand this, and why can't anybody use this stuff? So we got this software and we were selling some software from third party vendors thinking it would work. And, um, so we started doing this and, um, we started organizing. I did the field. I was very a process. So you asked about the process thing. So I, I'm into processes. I, I understand, yeah. you know, the data comes in, it goes through, you know, every section, you have to have requirements on each piece of, you know, as your data flows through the process to come out at the other end, you have to have requirements on it. What, you know, I, I get the point cloud. Okay. Is it correct? Is it, you know, and is it, um, it, what's the quality? Will it meet the spec? Can I extract what I need out of it? How do I extract what I need out of it? All that stuff. So, so the bottom line is we just, um, started doing that. And the first time we did a mile of road, I had like five interns working with me. Um, and they figured for that mile of road with a software, they, we, the surveyors told us what they wanted out of it. We did our best to understand, and we did it. And it was it was early called Phidias. It was in uh, worked in MicroStation then, mm. so so we could get CAD models out. But they figured they clicked. It took them five weeks, five people, and they clicked about forty thousand times. Wow! So we realized, okay. And I started looking at it and said, nobody's doing this right. Everybody's clicking on these points, and it's just not going to work. Yep. And I started to try to tell everybody how to do it because I had background in signal processing and stuff. I said, you got to treat these, got to look at this differently. So nobody would listen. So I walked into the, where the interns were one day and I said, ask the interns, does anybody program? And one 
guy raised his hand. He was about 18 or 19 at the time, Mauricio. And he said, I can program a little. So I said, okay, well, let me see. So here's, here's a cross section of a road. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to handle the data. Here's how I want you to, you know, here's how you filter it. Here's what you do. Here's how you do it. And he said, okay, two days later, he had a button in MicroStation, do what I wanted him to do. And I was like, wow, who are you? Wow. And he's like 18, 19. And I said, uh, and apparently he was actually, Mauricio had actually been programming since he was 11. Um, he actually, at that time when he was working for us at Regal USA, he had hacked into Final Fantasy and he was selling <laughs> cheating programs all over the world. So I was paying him about 15, 12, 15 bucks an hour, something like that. He was making six figures, like a thousand dollars a day, just selling $40 cheating programs for Final Fantasy. Wow. And it was, I didn't know anything about Final Fantasy, but I knew this, you know, gosh, he spent, we just started doing tools and he liked it and, you know, and it's the best thing. And he's, you know, Mauricio's our lead developer. He's been, he's 30 some years old now. He's been with me since he mm. was 18. Wow. So actually everybody in, at Topodot. So basically going back how Topodot spun off, we just did that for about three or four years, just started making tools. And then we just saw, uh, we got a product here, you know, and, uh, and I used to go through, you know, I looked and looked and I said, I used to go to uh, Intergeo, which is a big geospatial um, conference in Europe, yep. probably the biggest geospatial conference in the world. And um, I looked at all the hardware coming out and, not, and there was nowhere for the software to go, and especially in the road where we're focusing. And they were doing piping in facilities, and that was kind of different software and a different approach. Um, but they tried to do the same. They tried to take that software and apply it to roads and land survey, and it doesn't work. And um, it didn't work, and we were trying to make it work. We couldn't. And I said, where is it going to go? And so we just kept doing you know, We just kept developing tools um, until, well, you know, I mean, after we, Regal, Dr. Regal and I have been partners for, you know, it was... 17 years when I sold, basically sold his interest, my interest back to him for the Eagle USA. And I took Topodot and spun it off. And, and, and so, so that's how Topodot got there. And that's why we're so into processes, you know, we, um, and I can talk a little bit more about that, but that's, that's the history anyway, if anybody's interested in that. Yeah, for sure. There. For sure. And I think that, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but, and, and you kind of touched on it over the last like five or 10 years. I mean, obviously there's been advancements in the hardware as mm -hmm. far as scanners and, uh, and, and, you know, data acquisition goes, you know, they become smaller, faster, blah, blah, blah. But the biggest advancements have, has, have come on the, on the software side. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're, you're, yeah, yes, yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It, you know, I'm going to go back. Now we're going to talk about the process. It's really come back on the process side. And that was mm -hmm. our, that was our biggest contribution. You know, um, we have a lot of, in Tobit, we had a lot, got a lot of great tools, but as we were, as we were looking at this, what was happening is when we spun off and we were starting this, uh, the, the, you know, and that was 2011, give or take, um, we, you know, our tools weren't as, you know, as automated as they are now, but they were decent. They were good. And we're getting stuff out. But when we kind of spun off, what we saw was that, um, the, the with the data we were getting that we you know everybody had the concept of because we focus on transportation corridors so mobile lidar you know we're looking at mobile lidar mostly right and everybody knew the potential because you just didn't want to be on the road you didn't want to survey on the road you know there's a reason but when we started looking at the data the data was terrible and it 
And the reason, when I say terrible, um, it was misaligned. Uh, no one knew what it was. No one knew how to tell what it was. When you, when so, I give you a point cloud, and you guys have some experience with this, right? And it's five miles of data. You look at it, you can't find three centimeter breaks in it. You know, you that yeah. where it's wrong. So, but but when you have requirements that are, you know, uh, ten millimeters for accuracy to extract, you know, this comes everything comes and bites you, and and, and really. The, what happened early on with the mobile lighter is that, um, you know, if you want the historical perspective from ours, is that um, the, the industry made a mistake. You know, um, Teledyne was actually now Teledyne now was Optech in the day, and they were the ones that actually first started the mobile lighter. Really, they took their airborne systems and stuck them in a van. You know, it was the same thing, right? <laughs> the problem, what they didn't look at in the market was that they they went out and said, okay. Everybody asked, everybody, um, they, they went and they checked and they said, well, what do, what, do, what do the engineers want? Well, they want a mesh. They want a DTM or digital train model. Well, um, Optech at that time, 10, 15 years ago, they, they did a lot of wide area mapping and they could put this data into, there were softwares and still very good softwares out there like TerraSolid and stuff that you put all this data in, it would line it up for you and it would all come out the other side with a big mesh, right? And, and that was useful when you're doing wide area mapping and it's plus or minus half a meter or whatever. And you're just, you know, you're, you're looking at watersheds and, and, you know, basically big area, long areas. And they do a lot of trans, they do a lot of the transmission lines too, you know, but, but the bottom line was um, that kind of DTM, that kind of mesh, half plus minus a half meters. Okay. You know, uh, I'm just throwing that out there, but you know, 30 centimeters of error, that's nobody cared. You know, that was fine. It was one point per square meter was the resolution, give or oh, take, wow. you know, on the ground, yeah. you know, so it wasn't that dense. And this was all automated. Well, what they did is they said, well, we're just going to put the same thing, the same approach, the same process again, and we're just going to apply it to roads. Well, all of a sudden you, you go down the road, you acquire all this data, you, you have every time you do a trajectory run, it's plus or minus whatever, any misalignment comes out and all of a sudden a half meter is not cutting it or I mean even 10 or five or whatever and you have to write and you have surveyors that have to sign off on whatever comes out of this and say okay my license is on the line if I don't hit the spec here um, and they were just kind of like putting it all together and making a mesh and the engineers were going well I don't want this mesh this is a bunch of triangles I, I want to know where the brake lines are I want to know the edge of curve the back of the curve I, I got to need a name on that you know and they go well we don't do that and then <laughs> all of a sudden we would get data and they say, well, the mesh they got, they started checking it for accuracy and it was all over the place, you know? So we started looking at that data, getting that data, for example, and they say every trajectory, and we would show people every trajectory you went up and down the road was off, it was misaligned from the other one by whatever, a 10th of a foot, you know, 30, 30 millimeters, 10 millimeters, 50 millimeters. So I said, where do you think your mesh turned at? It's just a black box came out the other side. You don't know where this stuff is. And so basically what happened was that it all died. A lot of people bought very expensive systems up front and it just sat there, never got used. And it was very difficult. So our contribution, when we got into Topodot, we started looking at this and this is where I got into the process. I said, we kind of opened up the market because we basically started and we had, and we were doing projects for people too, because we had to you know, sell, we could extract curb lines and things, but we couldn't let anybody fail. So we were doing projects and we were seeing the same thing. We said, okay, there's no 
there's no process for evaluating the quality. How do I know when I get this point cloud in that it's going to meet the, the whatever comes out the back end is going to meet my requirements? And so our biggest contribution on the front end was that we kind of developed tools to assess the data. We just tell you how, how basically how well it's lined up to each other and how well it's lined up to control and give you nice reports on that. Well, the interesting thing was once they, um, once they, we started showing people this, you know, showing, say, here's your data. Here's, what you're, here's the problem you're having. First of all, your front end isn't good enough. It actually made everybody go back and go and fix their, fix their hardware. So Regal came in and actually started doing things much tighter. And their software for aligning the data relatively was much better. And it worked. And they started grabbing market share. And then all of a sudden, you know, companies like Optic had to come back and say, okay, we got to fix what we're doing here. This isn't working. Um, so they fixed it. And then every, every system that came in, we would just, with these tools. And in and, and our big movement, we, we work with DOTs a lot. But interestingly enough, outside of the ones that have their own scanners that use a lot of Topodot, a lot of them are just few, two or three guys doing quality checks. Mm. But what happened was once the DOTs who drive all the transportation really kind of goes through the DOTs, eventually somehow the DOT is involved, right? Yep. So once the DOTs had a, uh, and a way of assessing the data and saying it meets spec, and I, I actually wrote in, um, uh, on our website, it's there, I, I started working on standards committees and I got, I figured I just write my own white papers because I wanted to blow my brains out in the committees. Yeah. So I just said, look, all you do is say, I told them how to do it. Here's the three steps you take. And once they had those steps to say, yes, here's the quality I'm asking for. Here's how I can trace all my data back to this survey control and give you basically trace that lineage and document it. <laughs> then I can buy it. Well, once you can do that, everything started opening it up. They weren't afraid of it anymore because they were getting burned all the time. Yeah. And it took us about four or five years before that, that really kind of like took hold. Um, and, uh, and now, I mean, the way we do it is, you know, Topodot's used for all the mobile LiDAR pretty much in North America and around the world. And, uh, and it's, it's those simple tools that actually make sure that data coming in, that first assessment is, is really kind of opened the market. Um, and so, and so that gets back to the process. You don't understand your process. You don't know what you're doing. So early on, they didn't understand the process. You know, you think of the mistakes they made and people spent like $2 million for systems early on. And it was just, this wasn't working. And, you know, nobody made them, nobody did it purposely. It just, they just didn't understand that you couldn't take the same process that you did in the air and get half meter accuracy and then put that same system on a truck and say, oh, 10 millimeters shouldn't be a problem and I'll get everything I want. So that's kind of how it, you know, that's kind of how it evolved. And then that's how we always talk about processes and Topodot because you gotta, you gotta understand every step of the way what's happening to the data. Yeah, no, I love that approach. So what makes, um, so are you guys just strictly for like mobile LIDAR or is Topodot applicable to, you know, other terrestrial scanning as well? Oh yeah. And point clouds are point clouds. It yep. um, doesn't matter where they come from. So we don't care. Mm. Um, mobile LIDAR is kind of a bread and butter thing because it's mm -hmm. for, you know, transportation. We, we did what you should do. I mean, we kind of, you know, and if you're starting a small company, you focus like an arrow. So you, we, we could have done the piping things, but there were companies doing that for 10, 20 years and doing a good job. So, we, you know, it's very hard to push somebody out of a market. And we didn't, I didn't start this because 
you know, I didn't start Topodot and we didn't start making these tools because there was other people out there we wanted to compete with. We was, there was nothing out there that worked. Right. And I looked at what everybody else was doing. And uh, even the big companies, you know, um, um, you know, the Leicas had Cyclone and, and, yep. and I don't know what. Um, or Cloudworks and stuff. Cloudworks like that, or whatever right? that. But basically, they, they took a different approach. Um, they, they basically, they take this point cloud and they made it very, they would, they would say, okay, they wanted to make it very, um, they did a, a very logical thing. They said, you're going to look at this point cloud at your desk and you're going to approach it like a surveyor. You're going to pick one point at a time and you're going to give it a name and you'll pick the next point yep. and you're going to give it a name. And the problem is you never get finished. You know, it just doesn't, you know, it just takes very slow. Um, and people weren't making money, you know, it's just too, too, I, the other thing I did about the process was I always pay attention to if our customers are, are, are profitable, if they're making money, doing what they're doing. Yep. Um, and very early on when this software was in its, you know, even our software was, you know, coming in into its own, but the other softwares, I realized they, they couldn't make money because it was faster to do it the old way than even scanning, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, it's it's um, we, we kind of took a different approach to to all the extraction and everything too. From and that came from my digital signal processing background, the satellites. I, I could, I took these noisy, nasty signals that were data, and make sense of them. You know, how do you extract features and recognize them? So that's my contribution is from the technical side. I don't do it so much anymore because the guys have you know figured it out, and you know once in a while I get my hands dirty. But um, I kind of said, here's how we're going to attack it. You know, and this is what other people aren't doing. Mm -hmm. This is, they're 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 trying to make a survey or feel comfortable with it, but it'll never be productive enough. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny you said that because scanning, I think, you know, it's saved. It had what it does, it has, and it still does. Of course, saves a ton of time in the field, and then you know, historically, unfortunately, that time has been made up on the office side trying to process everything. So it sounds like mm -hmm. what what you're doing with Topodot is streamlining what is happening on the office side when it comes to uh, assessing and extracting data from point clouds. Exactly, and, and like I said, back in the day when we were in in the Regal days or whatever, you know, remember a scan took 35, 40 minutes. Now it takes a minute. Right. So even on the front end, scanning was just some niche thing, especially in bland survey. It was just some niche thing that you did because you didn't want to. <laughs> walk across that dam or you didn't want to get under that bridge with traffic. Okay. But it wasn't faster. So if you were just going to do a regular road survey, a bread and butter, like I call it bread and butter, like what everybody's doing where the, you know, what, where you get 90% of your money, if you're a land surveyor and yeah. you're working in transportation or something, yeah. you couldn't really use scanner for everything. Um, it took it, it things, I, I pretty much rule of thumb is your, whatever you do to acquire the data in the field, the time in the field, I kind of tell people you should be taking from traditional survey. You should cut it down by about 80%. Wow. And then if you do like 20% faster, you know, mm -hmm. then you're giving us enough time. You're going to do really well. You know, Topodot will extract everything you need. It'll be cheaper doing it you know, in the office and you're going to give them a deliverable. That's going to be, this is going to knock their socks off and, uh, and you'll make money. And um, you know, and if, Early on, a lot of especially terrestrial scanners, think back to your Cyrax, it was 80 pounds. Yep. You know, you can set that up inside the road and let it scan for an hour. You're setting that thing up all day. You hate your life. You know, it's just terrible. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, it took a while. To, it had to get, everything had to get faster. But I, I could see that happening. I mean, the scanners were getting faster, yep. but, you know, it was the software that we had to kind of look at. 
So yeah, so that's what we did. And we just decided to say, okay, we'll take in everybody's data. So we, again, when we parted with Regal, we said, we'll just be friends and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll make your client successful. You'll sell more systems and we'll, you know, whoever has a point cloud, we'll, we'll help them out. So, so yeah, top of that, so I'm assuming it's friendly with both, uh, you know, the Bentley um, software as well as mm-hmm. the Autodesk software. Uh, it's it no, it's basically we we so we use the Bentley CAD engine. Okay. Um, you know, legacy wise, you got to remember when we started this. Um, right. Bentley MicroStation could take in eighty-five million points, which was huge in for a CAD program. It was when it was thirty-two bit. That was back when we in two thousand eleven, or even before that. So say when we started in two thousand eight and nine, and then inside of Regal USA, and then we spun off. Uh, it was still uh, the thirty-two bit would get eighty-five million. So again, we had to develop a process by which we would cut up all the data, template it, and then when you're working on it, you kind of bring it all in. So a lot of softwares would try to bring it all in and it would kind of crash and die. Uh, we would say, no, chunk it all, make it all nice chunks along the road. And we kind of divide up, the, and we made that very transparent. We put all those tools in. And <coughs> excuse me. So, um, oh. So, uh, oh, I'm going to have to, can I, can I get a oh, drink of water? Go for it. Producer, yeah. producer Jake's a wizard. He'll fix this. Yeah. All right. So if you, okay. I'm back. Okay. So All right. Okay. More whiskey. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, um, so basically, uh, you know, we had to deal with this 85 million points, which really in a practical sense was 60 million before, you know, your machine started throwing up. Yeah which wasn't much in point cloud world. And um, so we had all these processes again that kind of dealt with that. So, so once then Bentley went to 64 bit, it's like a billion points, but we don't say load a billion because just because you can, because it takes forever and it, you know, you, you lose enough memory and whatever. So we still have these nice processes for organizing the data. Um, now Autodesk, back when Bentley could take 85 million, Autodesk would throw up on 2 million or a million. It would just die. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the longest time, and they tried to develop some tools when I remember the guys from Autodesk came over and saw what we were doing and they actually shut down everything they were doing. Mm. They said, we're not right. This is wrong. You know, they, they, we just showed them. We said, we'd love to work with you guys, but look, you you know, I can't load 2 million points and it just kind of spins and turns and and disappears and does weird things. I mean, and, uh, they go, look, yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. So they kind of came up with some solutions. Now we never developed for the Autodesk engine. Um, so, but the, so they really, the, the transfer the, so when you, we, we look at Topodot as its own application, really, I mean, in mm-hmm. some sense, um, because you don't have to, when you get Bentley, you don't have to learn Bentley, no design, learn the design, you know, you just use the cat engine and we teach you everything. If you're just going to do Topodot. Gotcha. Um, and you, if you want to go into Autodesk world, you extract lines and points as a DWG, or you can explain as feature codes and feed okay. like, you know, uh, other stuff and you can go right into Autodesk. So gotcha. that's how it works. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I, there's, you know, a lot going on these days, you know, with the, with AR and VR, you know, and the different things that are coming out of, uh, out of those technologies, how does TopoDot tie into that? That's interesting. Um, we, we, we watch it very closely. So there's a, um, so auto AR, you're talking about automatic recognition and, 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 uh, and, and VR virtual yep. virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about 
Hmm. Well, you missed AI, but that kind of fits in there somewhere. So there's automatic recognition or AI. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So let's look at that. Um, basically, we always want to do things better, faster, cheaper. Um, and we want to automate as much as possible. And when we do, um, we have, but it, again, interesting, it has to be correct. So um, it's difficult. I watched when we were developing our tools, we typically have a, we have an essence where it's kind of semi-automated. Um, you still, in other words, when there's a curb line you want to take out of a road, we've got to the point, you can tell me, you can make a model of that curb line, say this is the profile I'm looking for, but we want you to draw a line over the curb real quick. That tells us where to look, something like that. And, um, or if you're looking for assets, signs, things like that. You know. Um, so we've seen some, I watched the AI, um, Tools. Trimble tried to do some AI and with they called it e-cognition and things like that. But they were they were they were doing learning algorithms. You know, you had to teach it. There's rules and you teach them. And I don't know how much you know about this stuff, but it's it's I'm learning it as I go. Um, and I just looked at it and I said, well, I mean, I don't know how many surveyors you've met, but if you're giving them software where they have to basically develop the rule base to figure out, you know, how to how to teach this algorithm, what to find. Yeah it's not this you know they're not going to do this so so ours was pretty much um how to make it easier we kind of serve up the data cross section you see it you see you, you see that profile you say here's where my break lines are going to be and then we automated it that way so we said okay we started doing pattern recognition and things like that where we, where we can start really going automating quickly but we always give the user a way of checking it so there's always a human interaction that in the end it says, yeah, that's right. What was done? Um, because again, they're surveyors and their licenses are on the line. They can't be two or three inches off somewhere. It can be a very expensive mistake. Um, and, uh, and they, so they have to feel very comfortable. So, um, so there's always a QA approach. Now um, we are, we do assets, uh, we, we are moving down. We actually were developing some AI, some uh, so artificial intelligence uh, to recognize assets. And we're kind of getting into that deeper now. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of really got potential. But the interesting thing about what we do is that because we have this setup that you always, when I'm looking for it, like Topodot will serve it up to you quickly and we'll do it as fast as possible. But you'll say, yes, it was right, click. Um, you know, I picked the stop sign. Yes, that's a stop sign. And once in a while it makes a mistake. And that's fine if I can go change it. Because if you're doing these things automatically and automatic recognition and 80% sounds great until you have a thousand assets and you miss 200. Well, how many can you miss 200? No. How many can you miss? None. Well, 80% isn't great. It's hard to get 100%. And if you have to go back and find mistakes, it's more expensive and it takes longer to go find them than running it, just, just kind of do it semi-manually. So what we do is like, no matter how much we automate, it always says, you always make the final decision. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, you know, we serve it up to you and let you look at it, check it. And that approach has worked really well. So, Are so you, we'll continue that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you also able to process like LAS files that are, well, yep. yeah. Yeah, LAS. Well, LAS is just the format for the mm -hmm. point cloud. So yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So I mean, we'll take in LAS. I mean, any point cloud will come in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, uh, ASTM standard. They've done a good job with E57 formats and things like that. Basically, they've 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 um, 
it used to be everybody wanted their own vertical. And, and I, I would say Topodot's responsible for breaking down a lot of verticals. You know, uh, early on, they wanted, uh, you know, Trimble, when you bought their system, they wanted you to be in the Trimble world from beginning mm -hmm. to end. Uh, Leica, they wanted you like a Pegasus, you know, you go beginning to end. Um, same, you know, Regal never had that issue because they never really did the backend software. Um, but with us on the scene, we, you know, everybody has to work with Topodot or you don't get to sell your system, they won't buy it. So mm. it took us a while to get to that point where, because they didn't do, you know, they didn't, they don't all work with us because they love us. They work with us because the customer said, we're not buying it if it doesn't go into Topodot. So, um, you know, so that was, that took a long time to get there. Um, and it's work, we make them all successful and we're pretty much Switzerland in, in, in mm. that sense, you know, mm -hmm. where we're, we, we don't care, give us a point cloud, we don't care where it came from. Mm -hmm. And we never say, right, there's no bad data, you just have to understand what it is. And what you can do with it for sure and yeah we don't say one's better than the other we say here what do you want to do with it all right here's here's what you can do mm. and here's what you can't do so sure so let me understand i want to make sure i understand the business model is it mm. like are like, do you are you selling topo dot yeah. software or are you yeah we sell topo dot software yeah or are you processing yeah. people's point clouds no, no, no. We, we, okay. we have so a lot of experience, yeah. yep. but because we had to back in the big day, you know, and mm -hmm. we, and we get typically a typical demonstration. People send us their data because they want to see it work on their data. So we'll do a demonstration online on their data. So we get a lot of, we get a lot of, uh, you know, practice processing different data sets. We've mm -hmm. seen them all. Gotcha. And then we also, people come to us and say, I, you know, we, anyway, we will, can you fix this? Can you make this work better? You know, here's my problem, you know, so we'll, so we'll see a lot of data. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, it, Topodot, it's a, you know, should have mentioned that before it's a, it's a software, you know, it's an mm -hmm. application. Sure. Um, and um, yeah, we just, um, we sell it. You, you buy days, which we like, we've actually kind of, huh. for a small company, we kind of revolutionized the licensing too. So that was nice. Um, Talk about that a little bit. We, yeah. You, you buy days. Wow. So instead of, I realized early on, having sold with Regal, I knew how much money and how much time is involved in selling. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my gosh, if I have to sell every license and put it for every computer, I will go broke. So I said, all right, what are we going to do? So Mauricio and I, he came up with a, a version of his uh, the licensing program he used on the cheating, on the cheating software for uh, Final Fantasy. <laughs> and he said, well, we could do this. And the idea is that I can, we can, when you open up Topodot, we'll know that you do it. It'll go up to our license server and it'll do a yep. user day. Yep. And the nice part about that is we said, okay, so the way you work is you buy a certain amount of days and then uh, I don't care. We don't care where you install them. So I don't get yeah. any calls about, you know, oh, I've got to use it for a week here. And, 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 the, and the thing is, these projects always contract. They go like this and you get five or six people processing and they go down to one or two or three or one or five or six, you know, and depending on where you are. So it's kind of fair because you pay your annual maintenance based on what you use and you get paid before we do. And, you know, you being a customer, you know, whoever they are. And, um, and the interesting thing there was um, if they, you know, if they go over their days, they just have to buy more days at the end of the year, but it's all about usage, you know, and it all aligns our respective, it aligns us. We, if you're not, if you're not using it, we're not making money. Sure. So mm, we always yep. are very, you know, you know, we're very cognizant of, are you successful? Do you know how to, you know, are you trained? Is there something wrong? You know, and uh, because, uh, you know, and we want our customers to be successful. So 
Yeah, for sure. No, that that's an interesting business model. So talk about the training and support that you guys provide since obviously, you know, you, you want your customers to be using the software. So you have to provide enough training and, you know, upfront to make sure that they're comfortable with it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and that's what I saw when I was thinking about the software program. I said, you know, okay, one of the, one of the key weaknesses I saw in a lot of other softwares, because we were trying to call and, you know, you and there's sometimes they're just too small you know the two small companies where you call somebody and they're trying to help you but the same guy that's doing support and develop is doing development and then he's in a train in japan and you're trying to catch him down for a question right so that doesn't work um so i said well whatever we do we're gonna have to be uh well and this and this came with the we're go to meeting and 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 well we use go to meeting but you know anyway the zoom and whatever you want now um that was just coming on board. And I just saw that back in 2011, 2012 going, okay, training is going to change. You're not going to go to, you know, even though we have, and we offer some training programs, people have come to us, but I said, training is going to be online and it's got to be all available all the time. So, um, so that's what we've done. Um, we've kind of, we've said, look, uh, you know, when you buy Topodot, we, you can we'll get you up and running in four or five one hour sessions, you know, and you'll be doing things. But call us. You anytime you need training, you get it. You know, um, it's available twenty four hours. We don't charge more for it as long okay. as you know you pay your maintenance. That's yep. it. We'll set you up. We'll make videos. We'll we'll make sure you know what you're doing. Um, and we don't want you to sit there not knowing. And and the other side too, as far as support goes, I mean, Mauricio. A lot of times we're known for. You give them a problem and something's not working, or you want a little tweak. Two day, a day later, you get it, a beta. You know, wow. we it's not the next release six months from now. Yeah. So Mauricio sounds that's like the producer, too. Jake. Mauricio's the man. Yeah, he's like, he's the man. He's uh, the yeah. Jake. <laughs> he's our producer, Jake. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, you know, you need everybody's got to be a good-looking genius. You know, you got yeah. one in every organization. Exactly. See that, Jake? Um, he was just complimenting your good looks. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Young guy. He, I, I mean, I am a little bit. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you know, I do. You guys made me feel old when nobody knew another Springsteen song. I got to admit, but uh, nobody we knew just him. Jake. Just Jake didn't. <laughs> 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 Oh man, uh, Jake. So, born to run? No, he, not even born to run. Nothing. That's the glory days with like. I'm that sure long, if I heard it. Born, no, born in the USA. Oh yeah, okay. Born there in we the go. USA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have I didn't to know that. I didn't know that was Bruce. I'm an audio Dance. guy. If I heard it, I would be like, okay. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah, but I couldn't yeah. tell you that was Bruce for sure. Dancing in the dark. Oh yeah. Courtney Cox in the video. Yes. Come uh, on. Yeah, man, that was not sure who that is. I thought what what Courtney Cox? You don't know Courtney Cox is? No, she was in Friends. 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 Never seen it. What's, what oh was it? my! Monica. Monica? God. Is no, it? was her name Monica? Then? Yeah. Oh, wasn't? Yeah. She was hot. <laughs> she was hot. Yeah. <laughs> she was. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much with yeah. all the work now. Then we all get old. All right, now let's get yeah, back. Anyway. Let's get back to this back with, to da with data collection technology advancing every single day. It's crazy. Like you can't even keep track of it. Uh, what are you most excited about? Concerned about as it pertains to the future? Yeah, interesting. Good question. Um, well, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm concerned about anything. I'm excited about a lot. Um, the the what 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 we see the ne the next level where we're going and what we see is really this sharing of data. You know, what is really sh how 
how this data can flow through the organization and be useful. So there's a lot of good information in, in geospatial, in this point cloud geospatial data. Why is because it's really comprehensive, right? So you're doing a project and, you know, you're doing a project and you have everything at your fingertips, you know, the, 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 the road, whatever you want to measure, whatever you want to see. Uh, the problem that were the challenge is that, everyone's struggling a little bit with sharing it right now. There's a couple, quite a few, there's quite a few uh, hosting services out there. You guys are probably familiar. Um, uh, you might want to look them up You know, it's point Terra. Uh, there's that uh, Australia there's um, and they're basically taking these point clouds orbit. You know, everybody's trying to say, get on the cloud and look at all your data. Everybody's going to get there and look at it. It's interesting. In fact, uh, you've heard of reality modeling. Have you guys come across that kind of concept? <laughs> Um, from our friends at Bentley and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a little interesting. Um, the guys that are trying to do reality modeling from the from our client, our the Topodot community, I call it, the, you know, the users, they actually come back to us and they go, "Oh my gosh, this stuff's not going to work." And <laughs> and they're kind of right, it's not. And it comes back to the process again. They they've kind of skipped too many steps and they don't kind of understand. It's kind of interesting. What happens is the, the the these these reality models and all, they're always kind of developed when they're developed from the designer side. The geospatial guys are like the redheaded stepchild. They go, well, something will just happen. You're going to take all this data here and you're just going to give us this. They call it a federated model, mm. and it's just going to be all this data that you throw in here, and you everybody's going to access it and compare it and know if their design is right. Well, when you spend all the time like we do, you know, saying, trying to understand where these structures are, where they're located, if a wall, if you're doing wall monitoring, you know, if you know if the wall is moving, if something's moving, um, where these features, extracting these features to the highest accuracy possible, you realize you can't just throw like a big point cloud at some engineers and go, go see if your design's right. It's it doesn't work. You, you know, there's a geospatial team for a reason. They, 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 they study this, they understand it. They can sign off and say, what I've extracted when I'm comparing to your design, this is the spec it meets. So I can tell you that's right. And it's fascinating for me to see um, that, you know, some of these, um, some of these, you know, these approaches, the reality models are just big meshes, but nobody really knows where they are. Nobody knows how accurate they are. And there's, you can find, you can zoom in and find problems with them everywhere. You know, so you go, okay, well, wh what do I compare? What sure. do I compare this to? So we've actually fixed all those little issues. And we've actually put, again, developed processes around where there'll be a constant feedback. And, and we've developed a new, uh, a new uh, uh, product called product. This is a web page service. It's called TopoShare, which <laughs> really... Like, um, let's a geospatial professional, you know, the geospatial, we call them the geospatial administrator, whoever's in charge of a project will have that software. We'll have, I'm sorry, we'll have their project data stored and basically accessible. You know, they basically store and structure it every project that they do. Because what everyone doesn't understand is that every instance of geospatial data that you acquire has certain data characteristics, certain, certain, um, certain accuracies depending on the platform depending on and then it also depends on when you took it you know as to what it is right what you know what when when you acquired that data um and you can't just throw this in a big pot and say go check 
you know, here's your reality model. Go see what's happening. Um, so we have something called TopoShare, which is really a um, just a, a an interactive data. It's an interactive catalog of all your geospatial acquisitions. So you can, and you so you can make them available to everyone. So and so any engineer and all can see what you have and what data you've acquired, and they can ask you questions about it and, and tell you what they need. But you are but the geospatial administrator who gets that request is in charge of downloading the correct data, verifying that it's going to meet the requirements and extracting what they need and the features they need to compare to the features they have in their design and then what they built and signing off on it. It's again, it's about the process, right? These guys don't really have much of a process when they just say here, well, compare it to the big mesh, you know, well, it's not a process and it doesn't, it breaks down for a lot of reasons. Um, so, so basically when you're saying what excites me is that this will come, uh, this data and the, all this stuff is going to flow through to the engineering in, in some way or another. And it's just going to keep, it's just going to keep expanding. Um, uh, it's just going to keep expanding because what's happening we're seeing is we're getting kind of anecdotal feedback where engineering job with real road projects, the engineers are done in like 40% of the time and they're doing busy work just because they have the budget wow. because they were done so quickly and they got so much information. And every time they, when they have this process and this kind of collaborative process set up um, in some way, some topo shares kind of new, but they, at least they're talking and whatever they get their answers that they would wait weeks for. They get them in days. They get them in minutes or wow. 10, 20 minutes. The guy can look and say, here's a clearance on that bridge. Here's what you need. By the way, I, I'm just looking at my desktop. You don't have to send anybody out there. Things that engineers would wait literally days and weeks for, they get in minutes um, or days or whatever, you know, just, yeah. a, just so fast. Sure. So that's going to, that's really exciting because mm -hmm. that's going to change. Um, that's going to change. And you guys hit it upon a lot with, with Ellie and uh, Elaine, you know, taught, you know, trying to get more surveyors in. There's not enough surveyors out there. So there's no way, Surveyors are going to keep up with traditional methods. They got to go in this direction. Yeah. So the geospace, this geospatial stuff is going to grow like crazy because um, there's no other way they can keep up with the workload. There's not enough. You can't put enough boots on the ground. You know, and we're not replacing any surveyors because you can't find enough of them. You know, good surveyors sure. you still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah, you still need them. Yeah, no doubt. So I know like, uh, you know, you have, I don't know if you've had um, more than one user conference, but I know that's the direction you guys are going and mm -hmm. webinars and things like that. Can mm -hmm. you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I mean, our, 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 yeah, our, our biggest challenge is, well, we have, a, we have a user's conference every year. It's called Tuck okay. and uh Tobodot user conference. Uh, it's been fun. And we get, you know, and it's, it's a big success. I mean, COVID aside, let's 2020, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Let's leave that go. Forget that ever happened. Yeah. But um, um, we just had it again and we had half the people come, but you know, the DOT store allowed to send everybody. So we typically had like 200 people there. Nice. We rent a university, which is right. We have an, an amazing facility. We just happened to, um, uh, I would just basically, uh, yeah, there was a, we're lucky in Orlando, there's a university, Rosen College for Hospitality, and, you know, where they train future, you know, people that work in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful little campus, very self-contained, courtyardish. you know, you walk into it. So it's not a big, it's, it's part of UCF, but it's a satellite kind of campus. Um, we rent it when there's between, we rent it between, uh, between semesters. And uh, we have, 
um, just classrooms, uh, works, you know, basically 150 workstations available to us. Um, wow. wonderful place. We feed everybody and then we take them out and, you know, basically I found, you know, yeah. And, and, and we have, we trail them a good time. Everybody comes and has a great time. We, we play top golf one night, you know, um, typically I find, you know, surveyors are very happy with like toys to play with in an open bar and everybody's pretty much good, you know? Sounds so, about um, right. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not that hard to entertain them, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we have a great time and, and, and the only, the hard part that the challenge is 200 people, but we have like 3000, 4,000, I don't know what it is, you know, at any time, 4,000 users. So we're not getting everybody. They're all around the world. Not everybody's allowed to travel and do this. Um, so, so our biggest, our biggest challenge is really staying connected to our, all our users um, a lot of technicians, they, um, they'll go through their training and once they kind of get a workflow down, they will put their head down and never look up again, never call us. We've improved the tools. You know, we can improve their pro their productivity 400%. doesn't matter. You know, they just, they never call again. Um, and it's a little hard for us to kind of keep catching up with them. So it's, it's a challenge and it's not always their fault either. Um, I've talked to a lot of the managers too. Um, Whereas, you know, they, they just keep getting data thrown at them and they have to get it done. So nobody says, hey, go, you know, they don't, nobody wants to hear from these CAD techs that they called Topodot, you know, for four hours trying to do something better. You know, they just said, no, I just got to do this, right? right. So, um, yeah, so we're trying to talk to managers to give some guys some time, you know, every month, every quarter, just get somebody, give somebody 20 hours to go make things better in your team and we'll help them. And then at the end of the year, you've done it four times. You, you, you'll be amazed what you'll do to your team, you know? So, so we're kind of trying to get that message out there and, and help out because we're always available. Yeah. One thing I, I love that you said earlier is, you know, if one of your, one of your users or subscribers, whatever, whatever you want to call them, you know, comes up with a, a, a new problem or a new challenge, you know, they just reach out to you and Mauricio, you know, Jake, Jake, um, comes up with a solution and then, you know, typically in a matter of 24 hours, problem solved. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Interesting. It's, it is cool. Um, and okay. I'd say, by the way, I'm going to just do my, my other developers. I've got a great team. I mean, so I wish I, I pulled up Mauricio. He has the best story for the, the final fantasy, but we have, uh, you know, um, David, um, actually his brother does our web stuff and topo share and, and everything like that. And then, yeah. uh, we have a, couple other developers coming on board and I, I give everybody's names, but the application engineers, uh, you know, Mike, they, Jen, everybody, they all just, they all, when we know, and I've told them a middle, I've told them a million times and I don't have to tell them anymore that they get it. And they, and they really passionately want to help people. So, yeah. so when someone calls, they take it personally, like we will help you. We will, we will, what are you trying to do? Well, how can we make it better? Um, doesn't always go to Mauricio. Sometimes it's just saying Mike spends a lot of Mike. Uh, Mike uh, uh, is our application engineer. You know, he's kind of in charge of all the develop count development. We call it, but basically, it's trying to get these guys doing the whole workflows. Like, you know, we have all the tools, but how do you put them all together to get this job done? And that can be very complicated. You know, you just have to go through all these steps, and you have to get it out to ten or fifteen or twenty. Uh, techs that are technicians that are like doing this particular project. So we help there too. Um, 
And um, it's a win-win. I mean, when people are using it more, obviously, everybody's successful. So Yeah, yeah it really is. And I'm going to give a free plug here. Don't get used to it. <laughs> I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of the Carlson software. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they start out really small based out of Maysville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think I was yeah. probably one of their first... I don't know, initial users in their user group, you know, mm-hmm. and they were the exact same way. Anytime anybody like had a question or a suggestion or whatever, you'd literally just pick up the phone, whatever, call them. And literally like in a matter of hours, you would have like a patch sent to you. They're still like that. They're still like that. Yeah. yeah I think, yeah. and again, yeah. you know, I, I just, that, that model is just amazing, you know, and it's, it's great to hear that. It's yeah. And it's, it's easy to do. And, and that's why we try to stay very focused on what we do. I, th- I think when you get bigger, one of the one of the things that you know, um, say when you call Bentley, it's not that the support guys don't try, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden the support guy, he's the first line and he gets called and he only has maybe 150 products that he has to know, <laughs> you know, whatever, and and he doesn't yeah. know them all, and it's not his fault or sure. her fault, you know, just so he has to find the right person, and by the time he goes to find the right person, which might be in another country, you know, yeah. it gets hard, mm-hmm. and. And, and, and so what we've, the reason we can do it is because we basically point clouds come in in one end and they come out and they go and deliverables go out the other. This is all we do. We don't do anything else, you know? And, and so, yeah, we can, when somebody calls us, this is the niche, this is, this is what we do. And, um, yeah, I think, um, the, you know, they become, they conflate, you know, they basically, um, a lot of the, you know, and it's the way it is. I mean, yeah, they're very successful companies, Bentley and, and Autodesk, even, you know, there's big companies. They've conflate a lot of products into one, you know, big package uh, or several or whatever. But it's hard to do that when, you know, it's hard to get that right person, that right support person. So, um, yeah, the, the point cloud world is a discipline. You know, it's, hmm. it's its own discipline. It's, yep. it's, it's more than everybody thought it was just you just pull in data and just do stuff with it. And it's not. It really is its own discipline. And that's why we've been successful because we just, you know, we just, it's what we, we live and breathe it and, yeah. uh, and we're passionate about it. So, yep. Tell. So with all your passion, let me ask you this, then this is a question we ask everybody. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by oh. and what motivates you daily? Yeah. Mantra. Well, Hey, um, now actually I, I could, yeah, I could pr- quite honestly say, um, and it sounds a little cheesy, but I've, they ask the guys, they, you know, ask, you know, come time you, you ever around Topodot, come to Tuck sometime if you want to see it. And they'll all tell you, I said, our customer success is our success. I told everybody. I mean, I said, that means you don't, yep. you don't give up on them. You don't give up. You don't go home. You don't, you know, you make sure you go to sleep at night when you made someone successful. That's the best thing you can do. It's the best feeling you can have. Mm. I said, the, our success will come. You know, um, we, we, we automate things all the time and people use less time. It's all right. They eventually, they get more productive. They were more successful. They hire more people and they start using more again. It's okay. I don't care. Um, it, you know, it, it, it all takes care of itself. Um, but um, we never, you know, and I, and I think, so, so that's, so that's, um, so that's the mantra as far as gets me up in the morning. I'm just having a good time. I mean, we're, we're changing the world. Everybody, you know, it's, it's very <clears throat> like you guys have, have done your thing and then, you know, you got together and you, and you created something that you didn't think you'd create. You just said, Hey, let's do it. 
I gave you a little bit, a lot of my history and, uh, you know, um, geez, anybody looking what I did, gosh, it was stupid. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I had my wife and a kid and, and, and I first year sales of $5,000 when I started learning about LIDAR, it was like, this is not crazy. This is not a smart <laughs> move. Um, but, um, you know, if you, if you kind of, you know, you see what's out there and, 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 and it's, it is gratifying to just kind of be where we are now and, and, and to see it kind of come to fruition. But, uh, and it's been, it's been successful. I mean, you know, business-wise and all that. So that's, that's one thing, but, um, but really, but just being able to change the world a little bit, you know, say, Hey, we made things more productive, you know, we were out here and we contributed. I, I like that. I, I like that. Um, I think, uh, and then from the customer side, we've had, you, you get to touch people's lives more than you think. You think, yeah. okay, we're just doing software, but, mm -hmm. but I've, we had, um, we've got some emails that were just really, you know, kind of choke you up emails where guys said, I was in the field, I was a surveyor. We had somebody, I won't mention names or anything, but he was said, I was at a surveyor and I was in my fifties now and I, I didn't want to go outside anymore. I said like my knees hurt, um, you know, and then they put him inside learning Topodot. And this particular gentleman called us twice a day for like three months. <laughs> and he so all of a sudden he gave an email back to me and we never heard. And then all of a sudden we didn't hear from him. He got less and less and then he went away. And he got an email saying all of a sudden it clicked. He said, you know, I didn't understand it. I never thought I could learn this. This is so different than what I was doing. And now it's changed my life. He says, I love it, you know. And I never thought I'd be doing this. I enjoy going to work again, you know, and, um, and you guys just never, no matter how many times I called and asked the same question, no one ever always made me feel good. Always answered the questions, you know, um, always made me, you know, at least understand what I was doing at that time until now, all of a sudden it's all making sense to me. I, I don't even need, you know, I don't have to call anymore. I get it all clicked, you know? And so, you, you, you know, we changed that guy's life and, sure. That's kind of what gets me up in the morning too. I think we're doing good things. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a great story, Ted. And uh, you know, congrats to you and the rest of the the Topo Dot team on your successes. And I'm sure there's a lot of exciting things to come in your future. Is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you want to get out there? <sighs> no, well, you know, how do people okay. how do people get a hold of you to find out more? Oh, of course, of course. Um, well, topodot.com. You know, so T O P O D O T dot com. That's that's the easiest way. Um, anybody wants to T K Ted Nack, so you can just go do T K or Ted dot Nack at Tobadot dot com. And if you want to get hold of me personally, that's great. Um, and uh, and if um, and and to be honest, if there's any entrepreneurs out there, anybody who's trying to start something has an idea, I'm more than happy to help. I'm more than happy to you know just kind of say, you know, what worked for me, what didn't work for me. Um, and then, and don't just listen to me. If you think, you know what I'm saying, if you think you've got it, you know, just go to go try it, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, so, uh, the geospatial community is a kind of a cowboy kind of place. It's kind of nice. I like it. They're do crazy things. I've done it with them. I've seen guys throw scanners on hang gliders and what, not hang gliders, but the, the, what's the motorized kites and stuff, you know, I don't know what they're called, but, um, you know, do crazy stuff just to get the measurement, you know, and, uh, and I like that. I think it's cool. Um, so, um, you know, just 
Yeah, I enjoy being in a, in a, in a, in a community that's creative and kind of driven and, 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 uh, and uh, yeah, just a lot of people, it's getting sexier all the time, you know? I mean, yep. it used to be survey was like, eh, not so sexy. Now you've got, you know, look, think of all the equipment that you've got driving, million dollar pieces of equipment driving down the road, yep. collecting 3D pictures. It's, um, you know, it's probably one of the most interesting, you know, tech technologies around. So it's, it's, it's really come a long way. It really is, and I appreciate you saying that for sure. Uh, shoot, you got anything? I got nothing. Anything to add for that? No, no, PJ? No. Let's put a bow on it. Wrap it up. What do you think? All right. All right. Well, Ted, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate your time. And, man, what a, uh, what a what another value-adding, friend-making show, right? I love it. Totally agree. Uh, please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all previously mentioned social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Download not only... All of our podcasts from most everywhere, but also the Geoholics app from LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We're always looking for the next big thing, kind of like TopoDot. Mm -hmm. And uh, as they say, it could be you. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program every chance you get. Be sure to mention that you're a geoholic for the deep, deep discounts. Hey, you never know. Maybe Topo Dot will become a friend of the program. We'll have to uh, <laughs> I strong. Think I can see that happening. We're going to strong arm Ted after the show. Pay it forward. Add value. Make friends. The boss ain't got you available everywhere. Until next time, everybody. Be safe and healthy. Ain't got baby. I'm looking in your eyes, shoots. Ain't got you. <laughs> Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.